Our scripture lesson this morning is taken from the Gospel according to Mark, the 13th chapter, beginning at the 24th verse. Hear the word of God. Jesus speaks to his disciples and says, But in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. And from the fig tree learn its lesson as soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but the only, only the Father. Be aware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Awaken us, O God, to your word and to your spirit who seeks to speak your word to us. May we have ears to hear and hearts to discern what you are calling us to do. For we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Has it ever happened to you that you have been driving down the road in your car and you stop, let's say, at a stop sign or a stoplight and it dawns on you that you have no recollection of driving the last mile or two. (laughs) Has that ever happened to you? Has it ever happened to you that you are in a conversation with someone face to face, your eyes and ears are open and you're looking straight at the person who is talking to you and you are not hearing a word that person is saying? (laughs) Has that ever happened to you? Many husbands right now are getting an elbow in their ribs. (laughs) Has it ever happened to you that you have been reading a book, reading it word for word, and when you get to the bottom of the page, you realize that you have no, no idea what you just read, and it's not that it was hard to understand, it's just that you weren't just paying attention to what you were reading. Has that ever happened to you? It's amazing, isn't it? It's one of the mysteries of being a human, I think that we can be physically present in moments and places, we can be activating our actual senses in moments and places, we can be seeing, hearing, touching, and yet not perceiving. We are here, but we are not here. Our brains process, they tell us, approximately 70,000 thoughts a day. Do the math, and that comes out to be around one thought a second. I'm not sure how the brain does that, but it sure helps to explain how we can drive a couple miles, talk to a person, read a book, and not remember a blasted thing about it. Too many thoughts happening at the same time. Those folks who study the brain and human psychology would tell you that a vast majority of our thinking focuses either on the future, those things that are yet to happen, 
or the past, those things that have already happened. And in comparison, very little of our thinking is about the present. And yet, strangely, the present is the only, th only time when things actually happen. Whatever happens, happens in the present. It doesn't happen in the future because we don't know what will happen in the future. It doesn't happen in the past because the past is over and done. It all happens in the present. Eckhart Tolle puts it this way, have you ever experienced, done, thought, or felt anything outside of the now? And the answer is no. You don't do anything in the future. You don't do anything in the past. The only time you do something is now. So when I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't get back to sleep, I guarantee you that 99% of my thinking is about things that are not happening. They might happen. They might have happened, but they're not happening. What is happening is that I'm warm in my bed under a roof behind locked doors. That's what's happening now. It explains why Jesus told us not to be anxious about tomorrow. Why? Because tomorrow is not real. Because tomorrow is not now. Only the now is real. Which may explain the teaching we hear from Jesus in our lesson this morning. When Jesus gets asked about the future and about the coming of the Messiah, he spends a long time imagining that human history is going to come up with all sorts of calamities and catastrophes and disasters. And we all know that's true, right? Human history and its accompanying problems never seem to abate. There is no paradise on this planet. There are wars and rumors of war. There are earthquakes and threatening regimes and toppling governments. And the wheel goes round and around and around. In fact, when Mark writes his gospel, the people who read it for the first time were in one of those existential moments when the world seemed like it was falling apart. Roman legions had marched upon Palestine, laid siege to the holy city of Jerusalem, and worst of all, they tore down the temple, the holy of holies. It was all crumbling before their very eyes. The world as they knew it was falling apart. So in the midst of all this, when 99% of the thinking would have been about the future and the perilous possibilities that awaited them, Jesus tells them not to worry, not to make plans for escape, not to stockpile for bad things to come. Jesus tells them, stay alert, keep awake, because Messiah is coming. Keep alert, keep awake, because the time is now. The time is not to come, the time is now. Let tomorrow take care of itself because the time is now. And you never know when and how Messiah will appear. It's an ominous teaching because sure enough, it doesn't take long before the 70,000 thoughts of those closest to Jesus go in 70,000 directions. Judas betrays him. The scribes and elders plot against him. The, Peter denies him. The rest run away. Peter, James, and John, who had just heard Jesus say, stay awake, end up falling asleep in the garden of Gethsemane in Jesus' greatest hour of need. And is it because they just were not paying attention? They used up their 70,000 thoughts on what might happen. And they could not see the Messiah right in front of their eyes. The same had occurred when the disciples and Jesus were out on the boat on the Sea of Galilee. And the winds pick up and the rain pelts and the waves slap and the boat and crew are in peril. And the disciples panic. All thoughts go to what might happen. 
And it makes absolutely no difference that the rabbi is in the boat. The master is asleep in the stern. They cannot bring themselves to be in the presence. All thoughts are about what might happen. Keep alert, Jesus says. Keep awake. Pay attention to the present. Messiah may appear. Which makes me think of a story into which I have immersed myself the past couple of months. I shared this with a session a couple of months ago. I began learning about the story when I traveled this fall to the Netherlands. I'm in a group of guys who have been friends for over 30 years. We meet every Sunday night on a Zoom call. We do a bit of traveling together. And a few of us went to Europe a couple months ago for the purposes of immersing ourselves. Again, we've done this before, in the events of 1935 to 45, including World War II battlefields and episodes and places of the Holocaust. We visited several battlefields of the Battle of the Bulge and one small concentration camp and two hiding places, one of which was and the Anne Frank House. The other hiding place turned out to be a church in Rotterdam in the Netherlands. It's pictured on your bulletin. So grab your bulletin, you'll see it. The Brapeline Church is a Dutch Reformed congregation dating back to 1931. Less than 10 years into their, life, into their life as a congregation, the Third Reich invaded the Netherlands and began its pogrom to exterminate the Jewish population. 75% of the entire Jew, Jew, population of the Netherlands, Jewish population of the Netherlands, were murdered. Early in the war, Rotterdam had been severely bombed, and for a while the church served as a hospital to accommodate the thousands who needed attention. Even today, you can see in that picture traces of large white lettering on the side of the church, identifying it as a makeshift hospital. Hospital, from which we get the words hospitality, hospice, hostel, places of welcome and care. When the world was falling apart, the church turned itself into a hospital. Keep alert, Jesus says, for you know not the day or the hour. So the day and the hour came again in 1943 when a Jewish couple approached the pastor of the church and asked if there was any way they could be hidden in the church to escape deportation and the, de and the death camps. They already had farmed out their three daughters to separate families who had courageously agreed to hide them. The pastor was favorably disposed to grant their wish but felt that he should at least consult at least one member of the church, one church leader, to be assured that he was doing the right thing on behalf of the congregation. So he went to the church sexton, who was responsible for the church facility, among other things, and who lived in a small apartment inside the church, and asked him what he thought. Sheepishly, the sexton replied that he thought it would be okay, especially since a year before he had taken upon himself to hide two other couples in the attic of the church. He had decided not to tell the pastor so the pastor could honestly claim deniability if ever questioned by the Nazi authorities. The two men figured out how to hide the third couple in another part of the church attic. So now they had three couples hiding inside spaces no bigger than some of our closets. With few thoughts about the future and plenty of thought about these six frightened and vulnerable people standing before them in the now, these two men spent the bulk of their 70,000 thoughts on the present. Keep alert, Jesus says, for you know not the day or the hour. 
About a year later, one of the first two couples became pregnant. And now the question, how do you deliver a child in hiding? And how do you continue to hide such a child who doesn't know to be quiet when he's sick or hungry or needs his diaper changed? The pastor and Sexton approached two physicians, one from the congregation and one from the community, to see if either would be willing to provide care for the expected mother and later assist in delivering the child when the time came. But both said that they were not willing to incur the risk of running afoul of the Nazis. So with little expectation, they approached a third doctor, a Surinamese ophthalmologist, also known as the black doctor, and asked if he would be willing he readily agreed and committed the next six months to studying obstetrics and gynecology to see how to care for this mother and her soon-to-be baby. So when the time came for her to be delivered, with the black doctor at her side, she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and named him Emmanuel. Keep alert, Jesus says for you know not the day or the hour. And it gets better. It turns out the daughter of the sexton had a baby around the same age. So she moved her family into her father's apartment inside the church so that whenever either baby cried and could be heard inside the church, they could blame it on the Gentile baby and not the Jewish baby. And until the end of the war, they allowed Emmanuel's cries to be the cries of their own. Emmanuel, they called him, which means God with us. Emmanuel, they called him, which means that even when the world is falling apart and the future is uncertain, in the present, if we listen and watch, there may come a knock on the door. And if in the present we open the door, we might just hear the question, do you have room? And if our present thoughts lead us to say yes, well then, even inside a dusty old attic of a Christian church where a scared Jewish couple hides and a novice doctor attends, even here, God can appear. Emmanuel, they called him, God with us. Keep alert, for you know not the day or the hour. Frederick Buechner said once about Christmas, once we have seen God in the stable, we can never be sure where he will appear or to what lengths he will go or to what ludicrous depths of self-humiliation he will descend in his wild pursuit of humankind. And this means that we are never safe, that there is no place where, God, where we can hide from God, no place where we are safe from his power to recreate the human heart because it is just where he seems most helpless that he is most strong and just where we least expect him, that he comes most fully. Keep alert, for you know not the day or the hour. So, so many places for our 70,000 thoughts to go. So much past and future to keep us from the present. Messiah is here. What might he sound like? What might he look like? Expectant parents, troubled youth, illegal immigrant, lonely senior, hungry family, frightened Jew, scorned black person, crying child. 
who might he be walking with us in the present? Let all mortal flesh keep silence, wrote the ancient hymnist. Listen, is that a knock at the door?